Back home again in dear old Elmhurst, and it seems that I can see the gleaming French porch lights still burning bright through the seven wards of trees. The backyard skunks send all their fragrance through the streets I used to roam. When I dream about the moonlight on her salt creek, how I long for my great big Elmer's home. Golly! And now, podcasting from a two-person hot tub, high atop the Butterfield Park water tower, it's the E-Town Lowdown, created by Robbie and Rick. And now, your handsome hosts, PK, Rick, and their highly paid intern, Malort. Oh, I hear water bubbling. Welcome to another edition of the E-Town Lowdown. I've got my good friends PK and Malort with me. How are you guys, boys? Great. It's movie night. Never better. It's movie night. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. You will. I do. No, I absolutely do. So it's a, it's a cold winter night. We've got snow coming down and about a foot and a quarter on the ground right now. And we have our good friends, the founders, the owners, the operators, the president, the chief popcorn eater uh, from classic cinemas uh, in our little town. We know them as the York Theater. We've got Willis and Chris Johnson. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Glad to have you both here. Um, We want to hear a little bit of the story of classic cinemas first, and I know that starts with you, Willis, but even before you do that, can you give us a little background on yourself, where you grew up, what your interests were, what formal education you might have? Before you start, would you like some popcorn? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) We're going to have some dancing candy come through in a little while. And butter on that popcorn? (laughs) No, I, I don't need butter on my popcorn. Okay. <laughs> we can't make it like you do, so we're going to have to pass this time. <laughs> I come from Downers Grove. I was born there in uh, 1937, and uh, I've lived there with the exception of being away at college and in the Army. Uh, uh, I've lived in, in uh, Downers Grove all my life. What high school? Was it just one high school in that era, or has there always yes. been two in Downers? No. there was. Uh, it used to be just Downers high school and then they made downer south high school and so then the old high school became downers north at the same location yeah yeah downers north is still there yeah were you involved in any uh activities when you were at downers um yes um on a limited basis the band was probably <laughs> my one activity was you have, it, was you it, have that in common with Malord over here. I'm just wondering, was it limited because of your lack of ability? Because that was the case for me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. What did you play? <laughs> did you play anything uh, fun or was it no, instrument-wise? I, yeah. I was in the, the band and I played the trombone. Okay. Nice. Very so, nice. The slider. Kind of a run-of-the-mill instrument, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds like some jokes under there. <laughs> Maybe. So did you have any uh, jobs when you were growing up in uh, either grade school or high school? Yes. I had uh, 
my first real job was uh, I was self-employed, cutting lawns with a uh, an old a craftsman real type mower. They, they, oh, when wow. I started cutting grass, they didn't they did nobody they did not have uh, rotary motors. And when you, you went know, back so. and forth on the rows, was it uphill both directions? <laughs> 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 and uh, the one the one thing that I remember about cutting the grass was. Uh, uh, over on uh, one part of town, there was a, a gentleman, Mr. Friedenhagen, who was uh, one of the principals in starting uh, uh, Prince Castle. Oh, of and, course. Uh, I cut his uh, I cut his grass, and uh, then uh, after that, um, my job then was really a gas station. Tommy Willard uh, and uh, Philip Pump, Sixty pumping gas, pumping gas, yeah. and. and Checking fluids and stuff? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Phillips 66 Station, back Triangle in, Service. Back in those days, I bet you washed the windows, too. Sure did. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Check the oil. I actually did the same thing in high school. <laughs> one of the last gas stations to probably do that. And it was one of my favorite jobs. It was. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I uh, did it during high school. And when I went away to uh, college, um, I, every time I came back, I worked for him also. Um, yeah, ultimately, uh, ultimately uh, went on to other things. Was a welder for it, uh, International Harvester Company and Tractor Works. Wow! Which is over in Melrose Park. I no. Uh, I started mm-hmm. the the welder part of it was at Tractor Works, which was at Thirty First and Western. I think it was. Bit of a haul from Downers Grove. Yes, I took the train. Third shift. Uh, was that? Did you say that was like college days? Yes. Or, yeah. And did you go away to college? Yes. Went to Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. Was uh, interesting. You know, Western Michigan has a split campus: the old campus and the new campus. And uh, I was in the old campus. I my uh, interest and in my uh, my major was automotive transportation. Hmm. Uh, because my goal was uh, to uh, either have my own garage or be a service uh, manager for uh, a dealer. Uh, well, we're looking. <laughs> he's, he's not kidding. Well, he might be actually. But. Yeah. You better check his references first, PK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The unfortunate part about it was they they changed the curriculum because uh, with the changing to to a, a university. Um, and uh, uh, they made it so that you were just, you were a technician. Uh, the main thing was you were going to uh, run the, uh, some tests for the, uh, on the dynamometer for the, the, uh, man, the uh, engineers. Uh, engineers. There you go. Were you uh, in the band at Western Michigan? I was not, I was, did not for the entire time. I just, when I started out. Okay. Um, there just wasn't the wasn't the time or the interest, and I I also worked for uh, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Ideal Battery Company, a guy named Charlie Berlin. Why should I remember that after sixty years or seventy years? But we made we, we made batteries, uh, primarily batteries for lift trucks, hmm. and batteries for lift trucks. I don't know if you've ever looked at them or not, but they're big, yeah. 
Are yeah. they made up of a bunch of small cells in a in a pack like a lot of the larger batteries today? No, because they, they I don't uh, you know I don't remember that. The ones I, I'm familiar it, with, there's there's a lot of big batteries. I mean, it's not just it's not just a lot of little batteries. You still you still only you know get six volt or twelve volt. Yeah, that's yeah, and. Uh, there was a lot of interesting. It was it was an interesting job. We had a big uh, a big lead line tank, open top in the middle of the uh, the middle of the uh, shop, and uh, we had lead paddles, and uh, we would mix our own uh, mix our own battery acid. Wow! Um, I went did to I used to uh, I used to go to uh, the you, Salvation did? Army once a month, and I would get a set of clothes. Um, and uh, I would wear those for one month, and after one month, I, the first time I, I put them in the uh, put them in the washing machine, and and all that came out was some shreds. Wow, <laughs> Willis, are you saying that you dropped acid in college? <laughs> <laughs> I guess technically I, on I his did, clothing, but, yeah, yeah, but not in the not in the sense that that we know today. Not in the Timothy Leary way. Yeah. Oh yeah. golly. <laughs> So you mentioned the army also. Did was the army come after college or before? Uh, it or, came after. After I got out of college, uh, uh, I went to uh, went to work for International Harvester Company in Melrose Park, Mannheim and West and uh, North Avenue, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, as a quote time study engineer. But very shortly after I went to work for them. Uh, it was a during there was I, I think it was a, must have been a recession because that would have been in 59 I think that's right and um, uh, there were in, in layoff uh, and or laying people off and ultimately they got back to sometime in the in, with the uh, uh, in the late 40s. Uh, as far as uh, longevity was concerned, people. Well, I was the like the 26th time study engineer, and and when you have a plant where everybody is laid off for, from with uh, for a long time back, uh, you don't need 26 time study engineers. So, uh, basically, like an industrial engineer, would that be today a time study engineer? Not necessarily. No, I don't think so. I mean, what I what you what I did was uh, what a time engineer did was to go out and you you would study. Uh, they would you would get an assignment to, um, and you would go stand at this the machine or whatever process the uh, the uh, employee was doing, and you would um, uh, use your stopwatch and and record how fast the person was doing their task and make suggestions as to how they might be able to do it faster. And I'm sure they appreciated that, right? Yep. <laughs> somebody right next to them telling them yes. how they could do it better. Yep. That was, remember, there was a movie. Oh, what was his name? Star. See, we're talking about movies already. Yeah, and and, and uh, who, that's what he was. And there was the other, another name for our time study engineer was an efficiency expert. And, I, I uh, remember, I, th- I know it was like uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or something, wasn't it? The, no, it wasn't. Yeah. Professor Caracatus Potts? I tried. 
Anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't make yeah. any difference. So, uh, but then Uncle Sam called, and what did he want you to do in the army? Um, I was a clerk. Yeah. Where did you Where did you clerk? Uh, started out at Fort Leonard Wood and uh, finished up at Fort Jackson, which is Leonard Wood. Is that Georgia? No. Where's Where's Leonard Wood? Georgia or South Carolina? Fort Leonard Wood. Yeah. yeah. Um, is that? I'm trying to remember where that is. It's um, thinking it was Georgia, but maybe not. It's in the south. No, no, no. It's in the west. Really? Yeah. Where yeah, you, it's still where, there. It's based. It's, it's, it's. I don't know if it still is, but it's. At that time, it was a, a really a basic training camp. Were you a single man when you were in the army? No, I was married. You found a gal before. Was that during college? I found no. It was in high school. Really? Yes. Wow. Seventh grade. Wow. Played the saxophone. <laughs> she played the sax. You played the trombone. Yes. Interesting. Chris's mom. Anybody else in the family play the saxophone? Actually, my sister does. <laughs> or do, actually, she she was probably the most accomplished uh, accomplished uh, musician out of all of us. We seemed to fade pretty quick going into high school. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about what you were doing right before you ended up fortuitously getting in the theater business, and explain that story if you would. Oh gosh, I, when I got. Um Again, going back to International Harvester Company, uh, I got laid off. Well, I shouldn't say I got laid off. They said I could do timekeeping. And I said, I have no interest in doing timekeeping. So I quit. That was in 61. So by chance, Willis, was the movie you're trying to think of cheaper by the dozen? That's what it was. He was a time study guy. That could have been. The original? Yeah. Tell, tell yeah. me. 1950, yeah. cheaper by the dozen. I threw it into the old Bozo Pewter. Look at that. Was that Henry Fonda or was that? No. no. Who was in the original? I can't remember. I don't know. It had a mustache. David Niven? Very. I hate that up. <laughs> yeah. uh, He's looking. None of us, none of us remember. Clifton Webb. Yep. Well, as, <laughs> long as, as long as we're digging back, Fort Leonard Wood was in uh, Missouri. There we go. Yeah. Big, the prizes, prizes. Oh yeah, they're, right? they're, <laughs> oh, we don't have any prizes, Chris. That's the problem. Who can who can Google faster? Yeah, <laughs> clearly you. So back to you had left International Harvester. Yes, um, my father uh, was uh, uh, his his what was his title? Staff assistant to the works manager at Inter at Tractor Works, which is at Thirty First and Western. Uh, which is where I welded. Um, but uh, he was going through some health issues, and, uh, and the, uh, his doctor said, you know, you've got you've to do something. You've got to do something, have some interest beyond working for a harvester. You're just too much time. And so uh, he bought, uh, uh, he and my uncle bought a printing company. And my brother had been coming involved in, in college in uh, the printing business, and uh, and so they bought this printing company. And uh, in '61, when uh, when I was not with Harvester anymore, um, I uh, said, "Well, you know, if the if the if we've got a printing company, I'll go to work uh, at the printing company." So my my brother did the printing, and I sold the printing, and. Uh, 
and that's that's how we started. And uh, we were in business. Uh, I was in the business until 1980, um, and uh, my brother and I had different ideas as to where the printing company should go, and uh, and uh, so we. Uh, I said, well, you know, I want either. I take the printing company, and we also, uh, we were involved in some real estate, uh, and uh, we had purchased the Tivoli building in Downers Grove. And um, I said, I'll take the Tivoli building, and you take the printing company, or vice versa, whichever you want to do. He said, I, he said, I, I, you take the printing company. I said, okay. Well, then, after about a week, he called, and he said, you know, I don't want to do that. I want the printing company. So, so buying the Tivoli building is a pretty significant thing in your life. What inspired you to buy the Tivoli building with your brother? Just a real estate investment? Yes. Huh. It was. It was an opportunity in uh, in uh, that period of time. Uh, my uh, my wife and I had differences, and uh, we separated. And uh, I needed an inexpensive place to live. And, uh, <laughs> Don't we all? You're in mine. <laughs> well, the Tivoli, the Tivoli building, you could have a room in the Tivoli building um, for $31 a week. Wow. And, uh, and in the course of, of uh, living there, um, I got to know the uh, owner, who was a nice old Italian gentleman, Daniel Montesano. <laughs> And, uh, and uh, he, after a couple of years uh, of living, he uh, wanted to sell a building. And so he made it possible for uh, us to, to buy the building and ultimately for me to buy the building. And uh, uh, it was at a good price and he carried the mortgage besides. So, wow. What, was, uh, what sort of tenants were in that building at the time? Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, you know, long-term tendency, and they, they, the same t as today. But there was, I mean, there was a theater all right. along, all, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, and was there a bowling alley, theater, uh, offices, stores? And there were a apparently apartments. a few apartments. A couple of apartments. Yeah. So, so Willis, how you doing? Dan Roche, uh, just just a rove. Um, good to see you again. Uh, so you said it was 1980 or earlier? Well, hang on. When did you I get split. the Tivolia building? They got that in, in 77. Oh, 77. Yeah. Tivoli. So the other thing, too, on his printing business, I mean, it was a big business. They did all the true values in Cotter and Company. It wasn't wow. like a little shop. It was right. it was a... It wasn't a hand crank single press. No, they might have had some of those in there, but it was, uh, it was, a, it was a big, you know, a big affair. And uh, I think at, at our peak, we had 135 employees. What was the name of that printing company? Deluxe Poster. Deluxe Poster. Or Johnson Printing. Okay. It was uh, Johnson Printers, a Deluxe yeah. Poster, PDQ Copy Service. They had all sorts of stuff. <laughs> How many sets of accounting books did you guys yeah. have back in those days? <laughs> Just don't yeah. ask the IRS, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but so, yeah, they took over uh, or purchased the building and then... What happened, and I'll let you explain why you got into the theater but, business. But, really quick question. Why, why is the building called Tivoli? 
I cannot answer that question. I, I was, I've never been able to find anybody. Tivoli was so, a very that's the only reason Dan name. showed up. So I, I came here specifically for this question. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I know what it, it's. It's I love it spelled backwards. So I, I grew up. Huh? Wow, it is. Is it it's, really? Yeah, it's I love it spelled backwards without the e. I L O V I T. Oh, that's got to be it. So yeah. I, I grew up in Elmhurst, going to York Theater, it, right? And now I live in Downers Grove, and I've been taking my kids to Tivoli to go bowling into the movies. Okay. And yeah, so they're grown up and gone now, so I, I don't take them in there anymore, but I still go once in a while. But Okay. Yeah. Been take, there bowling. Take theater, your young everything. wife. Yeah, bowling. I do. You yeah. can we, take us. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we guess that... that uh, there's a possibility it was named. There is a Tivoli Theater in in Italy. There is also a Tivoli Theater in Denmark. Ah, okay. It, and the Tivoli, I'm sorry, Tivoli Gardens. Is that Denmark, Wisconsin, Denmark. just south of Titletown? <laughs> <laughs> there is such a place. So, And only you would know that. There's Tivoli Village in Las Vegas. Yeah. But um, Tivoli sounds Italian. And didn't you say the owner was an Italian gentleman? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But the, but, the, but he 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 had nothing to do with that. the The building was built by the Bungie family. Bungie. He was he Bungie B U N G E. He was a uh, ultimately a judge, oh. um, but he he started out with a lawyer and then ultimately became a judge um, in DuPage County. Hmm. Um, There's a lot of Tivoli's around the country. There was a Tivoli in Chicago. There was one in Aurora. In Chattanooga, there's a real famous Tivoli. Um, Down in, uh, I think, St. Louis and Colorado, there's some Tivolis. And we did find an old newspaper thing where it was kind of in the mirror, and they showed that I love it Tivoli thing. But it it became, you know, I don't want to say a common theater name, but it it was used. Um, So I'm guessing there was... Around the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm buying into the I love it thing. I yeah, like that backwards. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a great explanation. A little more romance to that. There is a lot more, as a matter <laughs> of fact. So you bought the building. How'd you end up operating the theater? Ended up, uh, uh, well, when he bought the building, the, the owner, whoever was the owner, always operated the hotel. And then the rest of the building had tenants. Uh, the tenant uh, for the theater was a gentleman named Oscar Brotman, who was a uh, lawyer in Chicago, and uh, who was who really wanted to be in the theater business, but survived be, being a lawyer. Um, and anyway, uh, in 1976, woke up one morning and uh, and on the marquee it said "closed for remodeling," and. Uh, the, uh, the way the theater business in general operated, because, of course, at that time it was all single screens. There were no multiple screen theaters. Um, but uh, uh, when you bought a theater or operated a theater, you set up a corporation for each theater. And that allowed you, if you wanted to exit, then you just bankrupt the company and walked away because you were only... And Mr. Brotman had 13 theaters, but uh, it was just the, what was Donner's Grove Theater Corporation or something like that. Hmm. And uh, so we had, here we sat with this, with the theater, um, and we interviewed or advertised the theater for theater operators. 
and we had a couple of responses. Um, and it just, I, I, I couldn't, even though I didn't know the theater business, I knew enough about business. Uh, that I, I was not going to lease to any of the current people that uh, were interested. And so we had a young man who worked, f who worked for the previous operator. And he came to us one day and said, you know, I would really like to run the theater. I don't want to have to do the business part of it, but I would like to run the theater. And uh, so we went into the theater business in August of 1978. What's that gentleman's name? Ed Doherty. I know Ed. <laughs> I know Ed. Does Ed still work for the corporation? He he does. He's on a temporary leave at this moment. Okay. As as is uh, unfortunately uh, some of our others. But yes, Ed's uh, Ed had some history in Elmhurst too, as I recall at one time. So he was uh, working at York for a short time. I think that could have been. Yeah. So you started operating the theater using Ed Doherty, apparently, who had some experience to help you manage it. Yep. What what kind of condition was the theater in? And describe the theater for people who aren't familiar with it. It's it's a very large theater. Um, it, it, when the theater was built, it was uh, 1,392 seats. Oh. Um, at, at, at some point in time, they reseated it, uh, so they put in wider seats and the rows farther apart. Uh, and uh, uh, as Americans got bigger, I'm sorry, they as did. Americans got bigger. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. yes. So how many seats does it have now? A thousand and twelve. And and Chris, to, to compare and contrast, what's the average uh, theater size, you know, for one screen now? Yeah. So when you now that has traditional seating. So when you compare it to a traditional seat theater, probably, you know, in the 200, but now with recliners, you know, that same auditorium would only be 300 seats because you lose two thirds of your seating. So the, you know, to have something of a thousand seats is just, I mean, is, is not even, it's, it's not, not even imaginable. Yeah. I mean, even like the uh, music box is 700, um, you know, which is regarded as a pretty big, theater what, so what's the biggest uh theater at the york theater that most people are familiar with yeah so yeah so we're we're um we're up to um when we had traditional seating there they were just under 300 seats and then when we we just recently reclined everything um and it would be in the just under the 200 mark like 160 or something wow. like that but i mean it's definitely yeah, so a lot less yeah a thousand was huge yeah. so was there a lot of deferred maintenance uh, in the theater when you first started operating it things you need to bring up to, up uh, to standards or anything like that we, we had to do some we we certainly had to take care of some things for the village they they said when we when we the other gentleman left and we took over they came and said oh this is great because now we can get you to do this some of the stuff that we couldn't, uh, you know, make Oscar do because codes had changed. Uh, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't in bad shape. Uh, I think the biggest story I, that uh, uh, I will tell about that it, it was people commented about because it, it had chandeliers in it, five chandeliers, and uh, uh, people said, uh, you know, oh, are you going to make the chandeliers work? Or are you going to make the chandeliers work? 
And uh, uh, he said, well, you know, we'll look at it. And at that time, and my, my wife and I were, uh, uh, were doing all the maintenance, whatever maintenance came. And, uh, and uh, so we started working on to take the chandeliers down to figure out what was wrong and everything else. Well, what they had done was they just they, they ran the chandeliers until they burned out all the bulbs. And so all we had to do was put new bulbs in. and Wow. You didn't just replace the chandeliers, yeah. huh? <laughs> bulbs burn out, need a new chandelier. That's that era's version of unplug it and plug it back in. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I'll say, though, is although, you know, it was, it was okay to run, the entire theater was painted one color, oh. and all the plaster work was covered up, and it was all masked with this, um, you know, the, the whole front of the theater, you couldn't see anything. So one of the things they did pretty much from the start is restore the proscenium March with all the plaster work and paint it and, uh, just kind of brought the theater to life. So it was, uh, it, it, it was functional, but it was pretty, you know, vanilla. Did they from, hire Chris Da Vinci to get on his back and go yeah, up there and do yeah. the work or? Uh, that, that's, that's where, that's where Chris started. One of the things that <laughs> I believe Oscar had done, the former operator was to, uh, uh, reseat the auditorium. And, uh, and, uh, instead of getting rid of the seats when they took them out, they put them in the basement. And so uh, Chris was looking for a job, and uh, I believe we were 13 years old at the time, and uh, Chris took seven 30-yard dumpsters out of the basement. Wow. Um, getting rid of those seats. And, of course, the basement wasn't as dry as it could have been. It was nasty. It was nasty. And, 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 and to be clear on this, it was actually my brother who was hired to clean it out, and he quit the first day. So he's like, this is ridiculous. So Younger or older brother? Older, but I, I, I couldn't believe it was $3 because prior, not, not to say anything disparaging, but my jobs were in the 50 cent an hour range, you know, and so being up to $3, I was pretty stoked. Yeah. And, uh, but, but all my helpers would quit just yeah. momentarily, you and, know, and, and in retrospect, how much was back surgery? Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So Willis, I'm curious, you said Oscar had 13 theaters yes. in his holdings. Did you go on to acquire any other of Oscar's theaters or just the Tivoli? No. All I did with wow. Oscar was sue him. Nice. <laughs> His lease was until 1992, by the way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. So give us an idea then where you went from the Tivoli as it related to theaters. What was your but, your next purchase and kind of give wait, us an idea how you started to grow? Rich. Rich. Oh, wait, wait. One quick question before sure. you go off to, before you leave Tivoli. Before we go off the deep end. So do you know that at Tivoli they also do concerts? I do music. Yeah, I do, as a matter of fact. Right. Chris, is that your deal? You're doing? Or? I mean, I, we definitely we have a relationship. I mean, we've done concerts with a lot of people. Probably our most. You've got famous. some great. You've yeah. got some big highline. We we actually have a lot of Grammy winners and name, name and, some of the name some of the bands you've had. Well, uh, we just had um, the John Hyatt probably is one of the bigger ones. Mavis Staples, um, some that uh, the revivalist uh lovely the band 
there's one group which um, is is semi local, Poydog Pondering, who's sure. our, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. they sell the most liquor. So we lo- <laughs> really love them because uh, we, we deal with uh, WXRT and they and they kind of launch the the concerts there. And so we've done we've done a lot of a lot of concerts and had some nice success with that. And it's a good partnership. It kind of brings the city out to the suburbs, and people, I've, people I've, get. I've it. tried to come to a couple of the shows there, and by the time I realize they're going on, they're sold out already. They sell yeah. out in seconds. The, yeah. Probably the worst one was the um, John Hyatt. I had everybody in the. I mean, we get like just a very few tickets, but we had everybody on the computer at ten o'clock. Tickets go on sale, and everybody jumped on their computer, and nobody it was instantly sold that's, out that's an insane venue to see someone like Jack yeah Hyatt. that's that's awesome it's good job my best story is the wallflowers i don't know if you yeah. know them oh yeah so, jacob dylan yeah exactly so their keyboardist is a guy named rami jaffe and i'm over at the the restaurant and i'm eating and he comes in a very personable guy he's like hey going to the concert and i'm like yeah you know whatever you know and anyways he and some of the other band members were over there and i bought him dinner and um and he was like, oh this is great you know and all this we were just chatting it up and then down in the uh prior to the show we were just talking about or, or in the restaurant we were talking about bowling we had the bowling and so right before the show i i brought him a bowling pin and i said hey because he was like impressed with the bowling pins so the whole concert he had a bowling pin on his keyboard <laughs> <laughs> and and he's also then he's the keyboard for the foo fighters yeah. and and so my buddy of course found an opportunity to exploit that and when they played wrigley he he got to go backstage and do that whole thing and you know all that but just kind of a kind of an interesting thing that this this he was I, married to daryl hannah living in malibu and he's yet he's hustling locally, you know. Just, I, yeah. I thought it was the craziest thing when I saw the the people you were attracting to the venue in Downers Grove. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Yeah, good so, for you. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. So, what was your next purchase of a theater? Park Forest. And how did you fall into that, or you just saw it was for sale, and yeah. you decided, "Hey, I'm going to start to grow this." Yeah, it was for lease was a, a family that uh, owned some bowling centers on the south side uh, and the, that the Park Forest Theater which was at that point I'm trying to think the of holiday. the original name Holiday Holiday thank you it was built in 1949 one of the last theaters built um, but we leased that and uh, we wanted to and, and then that yes I'll just leave it at that that was our second one. so in your in your theater empire where does York fit in what how, how far down the line was number that four number four and can yeah. you can you give us a little idea because we are Elmer centric lake how that happened oh uh, the, the York the York um, was right after the lake in Oak Park yep. okay. and yeah well-known was, theater yep um, now there's when you you talk about something that was needed a helping hand <laughs> the york needed a helping hand um there was a uh, a gentleman and i and i you have to pardon me i uh, my memory is terrible i can't remember the name of the the gentleman that ran the theater or had the theater and he had it with the jeweler who was next door uh at, at where where Today, well, the gaming go just changed locations. Yeah, but right he, next door. Yeah. He was, he was, uh, the two of them owned the building. 
Um, but um, uh, the uh, in the mid 70s, I want to say, um, they had not maintained the roof, and uh, the York Theater uh, roof was, uh, or the the st structurally it was uh, wooden trusses, uh, wooden trusses that were like 90 feet long, 80 feet long, and uh, and the uh, they had not especially maintained the valleys. And uh, in on the, in a couple of the trusses, the uh, the uh, water had gotten into into the valleys, and and wooden trusses. You know, they they built the brick walls, and and then they had a, a a socket on each side, and the trusses laid in that socket. Well, the ends rotted off two of the trusses, and so one uh, to make it more dramatic. They always say that in the end. It, one day, people were sitting there, and there there was a, a, a creek and a groan, and the roof fell in. Well, the roof didn't fall in, but it settled, and they and the theater was closed, I believe, for like nine months, um, while they rebuilt the trusses, and uh, that was when the the uh, the York had a decorative ceiling in it, just like the Tivoli plaster dome and everything else, and. Uh, they 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 elected to fix the trusses. They elected to do it from the inside rather than from the outside. So they tore out all the plaster, and uh, and fixed the roofs. Well, they they financed that, and uh, um, they could not. Uh, they lost the building, and it wound up. The first mortgage was I think uh, uh, York's. State, I'll say York State Bank. I don't remember what the bank was for sure, but it was a, a, a an Elmhurst Bank. But the second was held by Lagrange. So when they went, when they filed for bankruptcy, with York being in the first position, you know they they called the shots, and so uh, Lagrange wound up with the bank. Uh, I mean, with the, the theater. theater, and uh, and uh, at that time we were tenants. And they came to us at, uh, uh, we started operating it, and they came to us and said, you know, we're, we're in a banking business. We don't really have any interest in the theater business. So if you'd like to buy the theater, uh, you know, we, we'd, we'd like to sell it. And uh, and uh, they made us a, a, a very attractive, they, they even took the paper. Um, so Willis, and, Willis, going forward. We're only allowed to talk about Community Bank of Elmhurst yeah. on this podcast. Oh. <laughs> they would have they would have given you the theater for free. Man. It been Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It wasn't far off of that. So the theater at that time was one screen, correct? Oh, yeah. Yep. And what other businesses were part of that that particular building as it related to the front on York Street? There were there were one or two other tenants right on the first floor? A restaurant on the south side where where Kilwins is today. Is that Keeler's or my Keeler's is on the other side. Okay. Yeah. What um, I'm trying to remember what restaurant so, that but was. But that so Keeler's was the next building over. Okay, that, that was, was the, not in the original building. That though. was not. No. Okay. The the restaurant boy, it had different iterations. Um, it wasn't the Yorktown because that was down on the Slappy yeah. Sal. You've been to every restaurant in town. Did you, did you ever go to that one, Slappy? I wasn't in that neighborhood at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Over by there. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, what, what year? What year did you get the uh, the building and the theater? Eighty two. Eighty two. 
or, wow. or was it 83? I think it was 82. Okay, well, one of, yeah, right around there. Actually, there yeah. was. There was like a diner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I remember, I remember it, yeah. yeah. He'd and, been there a long time. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was deferred maintenance as well. <laughs> and I believe the jeweler stayed on the north side where the, uh, uh, where the uh, uh, gaming goat is uh, today, 152. And then uh, upstairs, there were four offices. Um, and uh, uh, they were all uh, they were all vacant. There was uh, the the story that's interesting to me anyway is is uh, the the last office upstairs was a beauty salon, and when I walked into the beauty salon, it was it was like it was going to open in the morning. The 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 person had left, and everything was there. The combs, the brushes, the chemicals, everything was all right. No, they didn't put anything away. They just went home one night and never came back. Wow. Hmm. And uh, and then the other, the two middle ones were a photographer. And the last one was the offices for the theater. So you, you obviously have a lot better memory than me, by the way. But at some point, I remember like a, like a place where they sold chocolates or ice cream or something yeah, that later or well well to to your point it was a candy store keeler's candy store uh, yeah right? yeah that okay. was that's what you're talking that about. was uh, that was a, we acquired that um you know the the block under the the goofiest deals that ever happened you know starting off with the theater and then I don't remember if the candy store was the one where the lady lived on an island and wherever. Or no, was she was the one who who had gotten the building from her family. Yeah, and okay, she owned the building. I can't. I should remember her name. Denby Island was the island. Anyway, we wanted to when when Keelers decided to leave, we wanted to lease the space, so we went to. Uh, Everything was that uh, had to do with that building was handled by an attorney in Chicago, and uh, went to him and said we'd like to to lease the the Keeler space. Well, what are you going to do with it? Well, we want to do with we want to add an additional auditorium. I said, no, no, we're not. I'm not running any theater. <laughs> um, and I said, oh, okay. He said, but I'll sell you the building. <laughs> <laughs> so he said he, so he sold us uh, so he arranged to sell us the building and and um, the the lady um, that owned it that Chris was talking about lived on Denby Island in I believe it was Wisconsin Wisconsin or Michigan or somewhere it was Is some, Denmark some yeah probably some very <laughs> yeah. remote place yeah and and he said and he, you to get to her you had to go literally Get a rowboat and and <laughs> oh jeez, row out to the island and get her to sign the papers. So before we move to ask Chris a few questions about his background, give us an idea of what the landscape in downtown Elmhurst looked like when you first bought the building and were operating the theater in Elmhurst. Uh, it was uh, lonely. <laughs> um, there was a lot of vacancies because, of course, it had been Automobile Row. You know, you can go. I mean, you get those car dealers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get people who, who know um, uh, know Elmhurst. You can go right down York yeah. and say yeah. that was that was that was. So so Willis, you know, my my father Roche Motors was on York Road, 
right to the south of Patsy. And uh, I used to walk up to the dealership after school at, at Immaculate Conception, when, especially in the winter, to get a ride home and it was zero out. And we used to come down to the Rexall drugstore and have a shake and then walk to the theater when we wanted to go to see a movie. And it was, uh, it was, that's, that was that's, long that's, before the Johnsons like, operated yeah. it. But, but, but listening to your story, you were a mover and a shaker, man. You were a visionary. You were a deal maker. I mean, you've made deal after deal after deal and you saw things other people didn't see. That's, that's like, that's awesome, man. It's cool. Well, the funny part about it is the York started out as a single screen. Then we made it a three screen. Then we made it a five screen. Then we made it a seven screen. Then we made it a nine screen. And something happened where, because those are all odd numbers, we, we went back to eight for a second. I don't know why we did that. And then we went back and we did 10. And uh, so we spent so much time and money only doing these incremental projects because that was all we could afford at the time, yeah. you know, and, uh, but it, it, it was very cool, but, you know, and then when we tried to buy Leonard's from, uh, you know, Abner, Abner yeah. that was another deal where there's nobody in the, in the right mind that could have pulled off that deal because they were like, well, you have to replace the income and buy us a building and it has to generate X amount of money with no risk <laughs> and you got to do this. And it was, it was, it was mind blowing. So that's how we acquired those buildings. Just, you know, just being able to kind of put up with the shenanigans of these different So, my Lord, they have one more screen than you have toes. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. It's, so a good, it's a good point. So, Rich, I hope at some point we talk about the organ and the organ player. We've, we've got all that coming up. Yeah. But right, you, you just keep jumping ahead. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Well, you Mr. Didn't, Hollywood. You didn't, you didn't welcome me to the neighborhood. So. No, no. So, Chris, <laughs> give us a little background on yourself. And growing up in, in Downers Grove, I assume, yep. things you were interested in, involved with, and where you got your formal education. Yeah, so I did grow up in uh, Downers Grove, and I still live there. It, it is kind of funny that our entire family, for whatever, we have this uh, attraction to the railroad tracks because all of our houses were near the railroad tracks. All of our businesses are on the railroad tracks. I have no idea why that is the case, but... Uh, anyways, so I was the middle of five and, um, you know, as, as my dad was saying, uh, uh, you know, at a very young age, it was a single household. And so we were kind of scrappy. I did, um, you know, um, cutting lawns, shoveling, uh, driveways, had even a little wooden toy manufacturer and sold them out of his printing, uh, front window and, did some other crazy things, uh, but probably my interests um, were bike riding. I, I used to race BMX bikes, and uh, I still to this day I have quite a few uh, bicycles and and all that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, I went to um, I, I started working actually at the Tivoli, aside from my seat gig as an usher in 1980. Um, at the time I was in seventh grade and, um, you know, just, again, I got kind of called up and Hey, you want a job? Okay. And, um, you know, so then I was working, uh, working that and, and then into, uh, I think once I turned 16, but my dad had this, this story and he'll remember, he had a, he had a meeting for all of our staff members at the Tivoli and he goes, okay, I just want you to know there's no raises. <laughs> 
ever. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, wow. So after three years, I'm like, ah, I don't think I want to work here anymore. So I went to work at the bike shop and then I got a call, hey, we need a manager. And so then I, that was that same year and we went uh, and, and I negotiated my big salary and uh, I was managing our park forest, our lake theater and um, actually the York and, uh, and some others and, and uh, you know, started doing that. But I, I graduated um, from uh, Downers North and I went to COD, I commuted there. And uh, then I went to UIC and I commuted there, and all the, all the while I was working at the home office managing theaters, and then I think early on I was working at the bike shop as well. So um, I did average over 40 hours a week in high school, so I'm not exactly sure how I did that, but I did. And then, um, and then you know, so then I got involved in every aspect of the business, and, and, and then after college, we um, we were really growing. We had twenty theaters actually, wow, and uh, ninety screens, and everybody was growing. and And my dad's like, "Hey, we should go public." And I go, "Well, that's really good, but we don't know anything about that." So then I decided I'd go back to school to grad school for finance, and I was going to go back to UIC. And he's like, "Ah, why don't you aim a little higher?" You know, and 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 he was not as much as he went to Western Michigan. He was not Mister School, but. He, he, and by he, the way, they were the Broncos, not the Mustangs, right? I had there you go. Earlier. You're right. Yeah, yeah. You're right. But anyways, he did the right thing. He encouraged me, and I applied to UFC, and uh, I uh, I somehow got in and and learned quite a bit. And the one thing I learned instantly there was, and this was in the the '90s, uh, was that not only are we not going public, but we need to pull back because. This is this industry is about to crash because they were throwing free money at us and everybody was building everywhere. And so we needed to take a pause. So it was it was just good fortune that we were kind of expanding and recognizing these things. And he pushed me to go there and learned a lot. And, you know, we we got sidetracked on all sorts of different businesses. We bought a 116 unit apartment complex and decondominiumized it and fixed things up and you know took all these some of these theaters that we bought were I mean they were just you you just couldn't believe the condition they were in and I don't mean pristine um <laughs> and uh you know but we we essentially our our model was we'd go into you know at the time downtowns were forgotten everything was at the mall you know and so I guess it's kind of you know, full circle that downtowns kind of are in, in the spotlight and malls are out of favor. Um, so it, it, you know, it worked out, but, but anyways, yeah. So that's kind of my upbringing and, uh, um, you know, certainly you learn every aspect of the job. I mean, I was even, we had our offices in our, our Tivoli building and they were in the bowling alley. And I was not only the receptionist, but I was the league secretary for all the bowling leagues. I had to do it in the computers. <laughs> the seniors used to come up there and, you know. Uh, Can you, you know, say multitask? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, we used to keep that. And they're like, I don't like that average. What do you what do you, what do you think about that average? And so they, you know, give me a harass. So outside of being chief popcorn eater and yeah. president, what have been your favorite jobs? Yeah, so the favorite, you know, always the favorite job is at the theater where, you know, where things are happening, where people are 
you know, where the, where the action is and people are coming to have a good time. I mean, how really difficult is it? People coming to the theater are there to have fun. They're, they're out to escape. We had a, we had a manager at the uh, Tivoli who used to be in charge of lost luggage for Midway airlines. He's like, this is a dream job. You know, everybody who came to him was mad. You know, everybody who comes to us is, you know, is it, is there to have a good time. But yeah. So look through, through the, um, you know, working at theaters, you know, you get an occasional, you know, some celebrity will come in and, or probably the coolest stuff is when you get to go to some of the conventions and, you know, you get to meet all these, you know, cool, you know, famous people. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, I like going, you know, it's like, everybody's like, Oh, do you get to see all the movies at home? And I'm like, no, you know, I'd rather go see him with a crowd because that's where, that's where I want to be. But, uh, it, it kind of going back, one of the, one of my favorite moments actually in the movie theater was we were out in, um, well, I actually, I got two stories. One, when I was 18, we went out to San Francisco and, uh, my dad and, and, and my sisters and, and Shirley, we went to see a movie and my dad, um, he wanted to walk over there and he walked us through the most dangerous neighborhood and Nancy Pelosi's yeah, district. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I remember it because the guys were like, this guy comes up to him, you need to leave, you know, bring your family and get out of, you know, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> but we were just like following him, you know, and all that. But it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. But I remember the biggest thing I ever saw was, uh, was outbreak at the man's Chinese theater. And Dustin Hoffman. And yes. Was it Rene Russo? Or exactly. Or yeah. The, and with a full crowd, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and, and even going back to the Tivoli when we had these sellouts, it was just, it was electric. So, so my favorite part is that, I mean, I love doing a good deal and we've done a lot of them and it's, you know, that's cool, but, but really, you know, I mean, now here's a bad one. My first date with my wife, uh, I brought her to the movie seven, which is not really a good. Wow. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I thought we were more on the friend side at that point. Uh, she's and, a keeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, oh, you, know, you would know Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. What's in the box? You know, it's like, oh, that's not a good, good movie to start. But uh, no, we, we I, I would say really my, you know, my best moments are, are at the theater. One of my funniest stories was a person once said that, hey, your popcorn uh, didn't taste so good. And uh, we, we throw out our popcorn every night and pop it fresh every day. So I, I, I popped this giant bag of popcorn. I drove over to their house and I knocked on their door and I said, hey, uh, you said the popcorn wasn't this fresh. I just made this 10 minutes ago <laughs> and I wanted you to have it. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And, and I was actually. I've I mean, been telling yeah, the Lord yeah. it's fine to take the popcorn out of your dumpster. It's no more than one day old. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Exactly. But, but anyway, so I did that. So silly things like that, you know, are a lot of fun. So before we take a quick break, can you kind of give us an idea pre-pandemic um, of what you're company looked like how many screens how many yeah. theaters and how you were on a roll yeah absolutely so pre-pandemic uh you know we were doing uh 3.6 million people a year which is you know more than than either of the uh uh chicago uh, baseball teams and uh you mm. know a lot of people 100 we had 100 and 
at that time, I think we had 121, uh, or no, we had 100, and, uh, I don't know, 121, I think, screens is what we had in 15 locations. Um, you know, we had sales in the 40 plus million. Uh, I mean, we were, we were killing it. And, and in the top 20 theaters year over year, we had, I think it was eight theaters, uh, that were in that top, uh, realm. And, and the closest thing to us, I think was another big theater chain that had like two. So we were really rolling. We were, you know, reclining all our theaters, like in Elmhurst, we put in the heated recliners with the headrest and we just put in alcohol and, you know, so you could, I think somebody was telling me, they're like, Oh my God, I had a kid's birthday party and I could drink. It was just <laughs> the best. Oh, and I turned on the heated recliner and I fell asleep. This is heaven. Yeah. You know? So, so yeah, no, things were going really good. And actually January and February, uh, January, we were up 22% year over year and we were up in February. So all was well. So how many employees? Uh, we had just under 500, uh, at that point. And, uh, we had just gone in, in, uh, November, we had gone into Beloit, Wisconsin. That was our first theater out of state. So yeah, everything was good. We, we started a specialty popcorn, caramel corn, cheese corn, you know, and, uh, lots of, lots of really cool things. But, uh, so, uh, so goes the, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and on that note, let's take a quick break here on the lowdown. We'll be right back. Sounds good. Hello, Pete Kruger here from the Elmhurst Independent Newspaper. When I want a good laugh, I listen to E-Town Lowdown. Even though Rick, Robbie, and PK podcast from a hot tub, they're three cool dudes. Bet my money on a Bob Dale nag. The staff and management of the E-Town Lowdown would like to assure our more sensitive listeners that our food critic Sal is really half Italian. His mother is from Poland and his father is from the great country of Italy. We hope you will enjoy and not be offended. Hey friends, Slappy Sal here for the E-Town Lowdown, here to tell you about a new place to eat in E-Town. It's called Primos Locos, or Cugini Pazzi, for all you Italians out there. Or uh, Crazy Cousins, if you speak British. So Primos Locos opens up in the old McNally's location on York Road, just down the street from the tracks near downtown. So in honor of their name, I grabbed my two craziest cousins, Big Head Mike and Jimmy the Fish, and we headed over there to try it out. Instead of ordering separately, we just got a table full of tacos and we split them all up. You know what I mean? We had carne asada, al pastor, you know, pork shoulder, a chicken, And then we had to get fish for Cousin Jimmy. And you know what? They were all good. The people behind us looked like they ordered up some enchiladas and some fajitas, but I couldn't see on account of Mike's big head getting in my way. But it all smelled fantastic. The other thing about Primo's Locos is the drinks. Good quality tequila put in handcrafted cocktails like margaritas. And they also got Mexican craft beers on draft from a brewery in Chicago called uh, Hasa Humilde, or Humble House. Two brothers started it out in the Hermosa neighborhood. Great beers, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? So me and my Cugini sat around, ate some tacos, had some drinks. It was a good time. Legit, authentic food and nice environment. After we're done, me, Big Head Mike, and Jimmy the Fish argued about how to say Uber in Spanish. But ultimately, the driver came and took us back to the old neighborhood. So in summary, Primos Locos gets the Cugini seal of approval. 
Go enjoy some chips and guac, have a drink, and relax. Remember what Mark Twain once said, Part of the secret of success in life is to eat what you like and let the food fight it out on the inside. This is Slappy Sal reporting for the Eat Town Lowdown. Hi, this is Jack Island of the Silverado Grill. My definition of a great evening is yoga, Maryland crab cakes, and the Eat Town Lowdown with Robbie, Rick, and PK. Well, yoga and crab cakes. Back on the E-Town Lowdown with my personal favorite segment, the E-Town Lowdown Mowdown, where we're going to mow down our special guests to their very core, and we're going to start with our good friend Willis Johnson. Are you ready for this, Willis? Sure. Sandwich or Salmonock? Sandwich. He wanted to answer Plano. <laughs> you know he did. <laughs> Plano bologna sandwich. Okay, paperback or hardcover if you're reading a book? Well, I like hardcover. Okay, there you go. Viva Las Vegas or Blue Hawaii? I guess uh, Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> with oh, good answer. With enthusiasm. How about uh, goobers or raisinets? Oh, raisinets. <laughs> Restaurant or home cooking? Home cooking. All right. Chicago Theater or Radio City Music Hall? Radio City Music Hall. All right. Jill Ireland or Jill St. John? Oh, Jill Ireland. Oh, 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 yeah. You got an answer there. Willis perked up. <laughs> uh, balcony or main floor? Balcony. All right. Well, we got to go right into this one then. Cinderella or Snow White in the balcony? <laughs> That's a loaded question. You don't so, have to answer that if you don't want. Snow White. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Cubs or Sox? Cubs. Sears Tower or Willis Tower? <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. No, the Sears Tower. Okay. All right. Pierce Tavern or Fitz's Pub? I, I, I'm. It's going to be terrible because I've never been in either one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. That's an honest man right there. How about John Wayne or John Travolta? Oh, John Wayne. Jaws or Free Willy? Free. I guess it would be Free Willy. I, I'm not a. I'm not a. I was thinking Jaws made you more money. Yeah. Well, that was that was predated. Oh, but, was it? It's a seventies movie. But when we but when we bring Jaws back, it does bang up business every I bet. time. Yeah. 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 All right. Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi. No, Star Wars. Well, em, em, yeah, Empire. French fries or onion rings? Onion rings. Oh. Iced tea or lemonade? Lemonade. iPhone or Android? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, well, my, my phone is Android. All right. The Magnificent Seven or the Dirty Dozen? Oh, Magnificent Seven. All right. He's, well, he's right on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but wait. Uh, dirty Dozen or Dirty Dancing? Dirty Dancing. <laughs> He's wrong <laughs> on that one. <laughs> well, he might be right for another reason. <laughs> yeah. All right. Favorite sport? Probably automobile racing. All right. All right. I'm all for that. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miracle on 34th Street or A Christmas Story? Miracle on 34th. Swimming pool or lake? Swimming pool. 
Mary Ann or Ginger? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to guess. Right, I'm guessing too. Yeah. Let's let's write our answers down. Mary Ann. Oh, oh right. that's, that's I would have thought ginger for yeah, sure. That's not the right answer. <laughs> not the right no, answer. No, 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 wrong answer. <laughs> Dogs or cats? Cats. Tile or hardwood? Carpet. There you go. That's a really good answer. That one was correct. <laughs> Tile or I, I guess otherwise it would be uh, it would be a, a hardwood. We liked your answer. Uh, fiction or nonfiction? Oh, nonfiction. I, I don't read fiction. Drive-in movie or Netflix? Yuck! Yuck! I, I I've never, I've never <laughs> experienced at, either. Right? <laughs> I've never experienced Netflix. Really? Interesting. Uh, Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Mm. All right, Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks. Okay, last three questions for Willis. Here you go. Spock or Scotty? Oh, I guess Spock. Cronkite or rather? Probably Cronkite, I guess. <laughs> last question for Willis. Last question. I'm looking for the good one here. All right, here we go. I wrote them. You won't find it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Morning or evening? I guess morning. All right. Okay, Chris, you ready to get mowed down now? I absolutely am. These are all loaded questions, most of them. I'm going to go with it. Maroon or purple? You know what? I'm (laughs) going to go maroon. And why was that? You know what? When I was a Trojan at uh, Downers Grove North, the purple just, you know, it kind of sunk in. And so I was going the maroon. What's the uh, nickname of the University of Chicago? The Maroons. There you go. I actually have probably the worst college mascots out of any person ever. I was a chaparral, then I was a flame, and then I was a maroon. Top that. Yeah, well. (laughs) (laughs) At least you're not going to get your uh, whatever. uh, the, the, The What is it? Changed. It's not going to get changed to be politically correct. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, unless maroon becomes politically incorrect. Speaking of which, you might have a good question for him. Yes. Yeah, if I could, uh, maybe I will get around to that. (laughs) Hang on. Uh, Front row or back row? Front row. Rut row. Run row. (laughs) Hollywood, you're up. (laughs) Could we we make the print any smaller? (laughs) I can read it just fine. Golf or bowling? Bowling. All right. Taco Tuesdays or $5 Tuesdays? Wow. I love eating. I love drinking. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll go Taco Tuesday. Wow. I don't think there's Taco Tuesdays. Oh, wait, at, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Classic wait a minute. Cinemas. I was thinking a different, but yes, $5 <laughs> Tuesdays. Oh, my God. Okay, just check it. Yes. We told you they're loaded questions, yes. some of them. Remember, Taco Tuesday. Why are you taking? But now on a Friday, <laughs> right? Right. That's golf or bowling. I asked that already. He just we did. That. This is a rerun. <laughs> and he by the way, bowling. yeah, we own a bowling alley as well. Yeah. So, right. You know, oh, I, gotta, I know. I got to go with that. I bowled there. You, I told you. you. Butter or salt? Oh, butter. Oh, you're supposed to say both. Oh, both. Well, <laughs> I didn't. You know, I was trying to stick with the rules. Uh, what was your first record album? Oh, my God. It was the uh, Jim Croce uh, with the 
time in a bottle. The, the uh, like a time in a bottle. I mean, it had it was bad, bad Leroy Brown, but that, yep. that yeah. album, yeah. Ray Nitschke or Dick Butkus? You know, I got to go Butkus. Uh, you know, yeah. classic bears. Yeah, not bears. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good and fruity or good and plenty. Oh, that's a good one. You know, I will start with good. You're right. I, I want to go with the fruity because the, the plenty was a little too licorice to me. All right. How about dancing queen or dancing popcorn? Uh, dancing popcorn. Yeah, for sure. I don't even know what that is. Fallon? You've never, you've never seen the dancing the leads popcorn? into the yeah, uh, let's movies? All go, let's all go, let's to, all the, go to the lobby. Yeah. The popcorn oh, and the candy yeah, and everybody right. dances. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. We, right. know, we know what PK was doing while that was playing on the screen. Yeah. So PK, you here tonight? That's why he's never seen that. <laughs> Fallon or Kimmel? Oh, man. You know, I go back and forth on that. I was Kimmel, then Fallon. Uh, I, uh, ah, these days. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah. Carson. Carson. There you go. <laughs> All right. That's correct. <laughs> Groundhog Day or 51st Dates? Oh, uh, Groundhog Day. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you picked uh, that. <laughs> it was filmed at our theater. Our, our manager was in it, too. Oh, uh, really? Favorite yeah. color? Uh, I would say blue. Belted Kingfisher or Fighting Illini? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm supposed to go with Belted Kingfisher, but I'm going to go Fighting Illini. <clears throat> Kids, uh, I got kids at uh, U of I. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, pay-per-view or movie theater? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's my ears are movie theater. <laughs> yeah, I knew uh, I'm having better. deja vu here. Groundhog Day or 51st Dates? I just I, <laughs> that was good. That was good. Yes. Same I answer? Got, I got you, babe. Same answer? Yeah, yeah <laughs> Groundhog Day. Yeah. Silly string or silly love songs? Oh my gosh! You know I like the silly string until it catches on fire. Uh, so didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Learn something every day on this oh, podcast. It's not good. Never put a lighter near a silly string. It's, don't YouTube. Wow. If you YouTube that, you'll see some bad boys and things. girls at home. Don't try that. That's it's bad. It's bad. All right, uh, Greg Norman or Ken Norman? Wow. Oh boy, Ken Norman. My guy, Ken Norman. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're making that up? Is that yeah, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> okay. yeah. Who's Ken Norman? I don't know. You know Ken Norman Kenny, is. Kenny Norman. I know him well. Who is he? You don't know? No. Played no. for the Fighting Illini. Oh, there my, we go. My guy, Kenny Norman. McDonald's right. or Burger King? Oh, my gosh. I, you know what? I lived behind a Burger King for a long time, but I have to go with the Golden Arches, the hometown, uh, hometown favorite. What about the Golden Arcs? The Golden Arks? You don't know the Golden Arks? No. McDowell's? Oh, McDowell's. I know McDowell's. Yes, Thank yes, you. yes, yes. Sequel coming out this year. Oh, let's not talk about that. Right. Is that from <laughs> a movie? That is from Coming to America. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, soda or pop? Oh, I like both. Uh, you know, I call it pop. I call it soda pop. So, you know, it's... Ah, yeah. that's a good answer. Right. Yeah. You're one of those. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> yeah. Right. Grilled cheese or peanut butter and jelly? Both are fantastic. I'll have to go grilled cheese, even though I love the peanut PB and J. Groundhog Day or fifth? No, no, no. <laughs> the Notebook or the Little Black Book? Oh my goodness! Oh really? my gosh! I don't think I saw the Little Black Black Book. Uh, 
did I see that? No, I don't think I did. The notebook, uh, you know, sappy. You seem like a notebook kind of guy, Chris. Uh, not, you know, it's <laughs> Nicholas Sparks. He made a little money. So, yeah, we'll go with it. I fell asleep during the opening credits for that. Yeah, as you should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, big city or big country? Uh, you know, that's kind of funny. Because uh, we're a little bit... Uh, we had this discussion. Donnie and Marie, a little bit country. I'll, I'll, I'm going to go country. I'll go a little country. Uh, it's a two-part question. Should men wear sandals and do you? <laughs> and do you? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm okay with it. I, I don't know. I think they call them sliders these days or something. Is that, are those, oh, are those sandals? Don't know yeah. anything about that. The sliders? No? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Take your word for it there. All right. Uh, um, Dukes or Mustangs? Oh my gosh! Uh, must uh, I'm getting? I'm not getting the reference, but I'm going to go. Uh, oh, I oh yes, yes. Okay, I'll go Dukes. Oh wow, that a boy. Yeah. Okay. La- last two questions for Chris. All right. So this is a uh, generational comparison. Yes, Marianne or Ginger. Oh, see, I'm going to go ginger. (laughs) Got it right. (laughs) Thank you. I read the crowd. (laughs) It's a lot of reading. And last question for Chris in the mowdown. No pressure, PK. uh, I I lost it. Um, Correct. Groundhog Day or 51st Dates? I don't have a good one for the last question. I will come Um, in and pitch the ninth inning for you. Here's your last one. Okay. Bruce Willis. Or what you talking about, Willis? Oh, those are great. But I'm going to go Bruce Willis. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Earned you oh. more money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, Chris, you got a 60%. Willis, you got a 75 <laughs> Willis wins. He, uh, he should. He should. We'll take another quick break on the lowdown. We'll be right back with our last segment. Marunam che hosi meta. Ne hu achijoma manuchi. Sub vichar. शुभ शब्द शुभ कर्म एट्ले मनसनी गवसनी कुनसनी जयरे आ चीजों ने हूँ विचार करूँ छू तेरे हूँ ई टाउन लो डाउन पर ट्यून इन करूँ ते भी ट्राय करो तो तबर पड़ से तब खुश हसो कि आ समझ पड़ी तैंक यू शुक्रिया हाय दिस इज होसी मेहता and i'm trying to project for e town lowdown if you tune into that and try it you will be hearing about good thoughts good words good deeds which is what i look for and when i tune into e town lowdown that is what you should try to check them out you will be happy and glad that you did thank you and now, it's time for another installment of One Ponce a Time with lowdown legend PK and his overly enthused yesteryear expert friend, Elmhurst History Museum director, Dave Oberg. Hey, boys and girls. One Ponce a Time, did you know that during the Great Depression, Elmhurst was home to a special camp created by the federal government to provide meaningful work for single men under the age of 25? Between 1934 and 1935, men from Chicago and all over the Midwest came to build barracks, plant trees, conduct conservation work and landscaping, and construct bridges in Elmhurst. 
Camp Elmhurst opened in August of 1934 and operated for just over a year. It closed suddenly in August of 1935 and was quickly disassembled. The camp is gone now. Its story lives on. So let's dig a little deeper. Uh, when President Franklin Delano Roosevelt created the Civilian Conservation Corps in April of 1933, uh, the United States was in the depths of the Great Depression. And the program was specifically designed to provide meaningful work for young men who had faced years of staggering unemployment. As a matter of fact, there was even a worry that, you know, some people in their, their teens and early 20s had never held a meaningful job in their life. And so those who participated in the camps enlisted for six-month terms and earned $30 per month. They're expected to send home $22 to $25 a month to help their families. Um, by way of comparison, that would translate to a monthly salary of about $600 a month with $440 to $500 per month sent home. And that might not sound like a king's ransom, but with work scarce and room and board already provided by the camp, uh, these camps were offered meaningful experience and a vital lifeline to young men out of work. To hold down expenses and provide housing, one of the first tasks these camps uh, did was construct barracks and support structures for all the enlistees. And the CCC members learned valuable skills while building the structures that would serve them later in life. Uncle Sam took care of transportation. The United States Army actually provided the logistical support needed to transport a vast corps of enlistees from site to site. The primary focus of the camps was to work on conservation and beautification projects in the areas where they were sited. Between April 5th and July 1st of 1933 alone, 300,000 men were deployed to serve in more than 1,400 camps. That was the largest peacetime mobilization in United States history. Now, Elmhurst joined the growing roster of communities that hosted Civilian Conservation Corps camps the following year. CCC Company 2602, under the command of Captain Leland S. Power, arrived at Camp Elmhurst on August 10, 1934. The company of 200 men built military-style barracks, administrative offices, a recreation building, and a mess hall on Villa Avenue, just south of North Avenue. Their primary project was to improve the new Route 54 Parkway, planting trees, building bridges, and taking part in general landscaping to improve the appearance of the busy road. Members of Camp Elmhurst hosted an open house for local residents in April of 1935 and hosted several community dances. They also marched in local parades, so their presence was seen and felt by our community. When the camp closed in 1935, enlistees were reassigned to camps in Melrose Park and Peoria. A nearby camp in Foldersburg Woods also left its mark, conducting conservation work on the old Growie Mill, which serves as a museum in Oak Brook today. On a national level, the Civilian Conservation Corps continued to operate until 1942, when it was closed to channel manpower into the growing war effort. By that time, Roosevelt's Tree Army, as it was sometimes called, had planted roughly 3.5 billion trees and helped to establish more than 700 state parks, a living legacy we all still enjoy today. When you drive along Illinois 83, which follows the footprint of the old Route 54, take a moment to remember the work of the young men who briefly called Camp Elmhurst home. Wow, Dave. I hope uh, we don't have to resort to this to get, help us get through the pandemic, but uh, it certainly gives a new meaning to the, uh, to the phrase summer camp. Ladies and gentlemen, we are Steve Waddington and the Retro Rocket All-Star. And when we're not rocking in Southern California, we listen to the E-Town Lowdown. 
back here on the E-Town Lowdown with our special guests, Willis and Chris Johnson. So before we uh, took a break and went to the Modown, we were talking a little bit about how the uh, classic cinemas operated pre-pandemic. So the uh, the elephant in the uh, in the nation is is large, and it's a pandemic, and uh, we're all uh, working under different assumptions than we were a year ago. So tell us a little bit, whichever one of you wants to, to jump in here, about how it's affected your operation and what's happened the last ten or eleven months. Yeah, I mean it, it was a. It was a surprise, uh, not that there was a pandemic. Uh, I mean, obviously a little bit of surprise, but how long it's been going on and kind of the early guesses of how long it would last. I, I still remember that, you know, the first uh, stay-at-home order was going to end May 1st, I think it was. or Yeah, I think it was May 1st was the stay-at-home order. order. We closed on the 16th of March. And we got a Monday. To, I remember that. Yeah. And we were, we were, you know, one of the blessings with having our brand new liquor license was that if you had a liquor license, you had to shut down. So, uh, you know, we didn't have a choice in the matter, but, uh, anyways, we shut down and, um, you know, I certainly thought I was going to be a hero and keep everybody on and pay them the whole way through. And, you know, this was going to pass and we were going to, get right back on it. And then it just kept going and going. And probably the craziest thing that I never thought would happen was that, you know, our biggest supplier is Hollywood. And you just always think that movies are always going to be there. And, uh, and then when they started moving the, you know, the releases further and further away, that just, uh, that kind of, you know, really sunk home. So we opened up, in um, June of uh, June 27th, I think it was, it was when phase four opened and we opened for two weeks. I knew right away when we opened up that we were going to shut it right back down because we had, we were just showing old movies and old movies are great to supplement, you know, kind of like cool niche things and things, you know, throwbacks, but to support your whole bit, your whole business, it just doesn't work. And, um, so we got great response from the people who did come out, but wasn't that many, and we shut down, and then and we haven't opened since. And uh, so it's been July 9th. Um, you know, other than those two weeks uh, coming up, March 16th will be closed for a year. So it's been very tough. Um, had a real tough time, you know, with uh, our our good financial partner <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, had to find who our real friends were and weren't, and uh, you know, and navigate it. But uh, I guess the I guess the, the the probably the biggest thing we learned is it's a very humbling experience. You know, we were kind of top of the world, and we were really, um, you know, we were the thirty fourth or thirty fifth largest theater chain, which really means nothing. But you know, it's it's an accomplishment that we'd worked on. And, uh, and then, you know, and then you shut down and you're all equal, you're all doing nothing. And, uh, it, it really is humbling, learn quite a bit. Um, and, uh, can't, can't tell you, there isn't a day that goes by when somebody doesn't ask me when we're going to open back up and we're, we're taking a different approach, which is once we know there's a consistent supply of movies, then we're going to open back up, but I don't want to open back up 
just for the sake of opening back up. I want to have, I want the fun and vibrancy of going to the movie to be there. And, you know, and I am really looking forward to it. We have different days in mind. I do think that, um, you know, right now, March and April are kind of shot. We might open at the end of March, depending on how releases go. But yeah, it's it's just been a real tough gut check. And, uh, you know, thankfully, there's a lot of good people out there that have supported us and helped us through. And not to not to be because uh, um, I really mean it. Uh, Community Bank of Elmhurst and Rich uh, came through in a big way and supported us. And um, I can't thank him enough for Rick. Do you know that guy? Believing on both. Yeah. Uh, Rick. No, oh, Rick, Rick. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, unbelievable. So, uh, are, but are movies even being, I mean, I guess you hear every now and then about movies being made, like Tom Cruise going crazy on set and stuff right. like that. But are, are they, I mean, they're not making a lot of movies, right? They're not making a lot. There is a backlog. So, you know, so the interesting part is 20, 2021, 2022, you know, there's plenty of product to, to do that. I think there's going to be a little lean in 2023. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, because there is a cycle that, you know, it takes a little while to, to make movies longer than it does, you know, TV shows and that. Um, of course, that all depends on how, um, you know, how quickly the... Uh, you know, sort of the, the, the audience comes back, which I do think, you know, everybody wants to compare Netflix and Hulu and all that. And I say, Hey, that's all good when you're at home, but when you decide you're going to go out of your house, which all of us want to get out of our house. So, so, <laughs> yes. so, so let me interject there just yeah. a little bit. So just before we took a break, you were talking about, you know, people going to the movies and stuff. Cause I remember when they said that, Netflix and his order oh, a movie yeah. at home was going to put all the theaters out of business. That's said, right. And I, I always said, I, I don't buy that one bit because I love going to the movie. I love going to the theater. love taking my wife there. I like taking my kids there, having some popcorn and watching it on the big screen. Fast forward to what you're talking about now. It seems to me that during COVID, there's a whole lot of people that are, are artists that are inventing these future movies that have not been able to produce them. So it seems to me that you would have a backlog of new releases going into 22, 23, 24 even, not not 23, because there's just there's people that want to Pent do up their creativity. Job. You know what? And it's it's kind of interesting you bring that up because actually today they're shooting a film at the Tivoli. Um, oh, which, wow. Yeah. So the, the cool thing is you look at that as a guy that owns theaters and movies are coming out. I look at it as a guy that likes to go to the movie. I probably, yep. I probably go to a movie theater once a month and I've been to, I've been to two of your theaters, Elmhurst yeah. and, and Downers and several different occasions. And like, I can't wait to go back to the movie theater and sit down and have a big bowl of buttery popcorn and a cold beer in my hand and yeah it. and a cold beer is a nice plus yeah. no yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> but no i i agree with you 100 percent. and like i say it isn't it isn't the fact you know everybody's got a kitchen and you still like going out to eat everybody you do want to get out of the house at some point and it is fun and the whole thing about remembering you know these different things that you had at the theater whether it's a date whether it's family time you know, I still remember my daughter going to The Fault in Our Stars. I don't know if anybody, if you guys know that movie, but it was like... Sounds like The Notebook to me. Yeah, yeah. It was the ultimate, like, uh, you know, young teen, young teen yeah. uh, crier. 
And so here I am, and I brought my daughter and I think five of her friends. <laughs> I had to sit behind him or in front of him. I don't remember. The whole audience is bawling, and then there was me in there. It's all young girls. <laughs> I felt a little out of place, but you know, they just remember that. I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, or 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 you know, sometimes when you uh, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Like even horror films. Horror films actually skew more female than they do male and really? and it's because of that reaction and going you know and and, and the audience uh, experience i mean they're just not the same so my, my my worst movie experience of my life was i was in high school york theater the exorcist yeah oh Same yeah, thing. oh yeah. my god the spinning head i'm around. trying to i'm trying to impress all these young girls in high school and i'm like i was the biggest <laughs> i was the biggest wuss in the whole place like i, I, I gotta get out i here. slept on the couch for about six oh, months yeah. horrible horrible it, I'm, I'm not so sure I would have believed you about that, Chris. But when you said that, I looked over and Willis was nodding. Yeah. So if yeah. Willis says it's true, it's got to be true. Yeah. Willis, Willis, in your lifetime, have you ever seen anything akin to this pandemic as it relates to our lives changing? As it, you know, in business and yeah, yeah, we were we we shut just, one day, one day in our in our forty years. Um, it was actually no. We closed two days, two days. No, it wasn't 9-11 because we were open. It was that we had that 27-inch snow that dumped. And then one day it was like a gazillion below zero. So those were the two days that we closed. But other than that, we've never we've never closed. Wait I mean, a minute, that happened last week. You were already yeah, closed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did the, what about the the like the uh, 08, 09 recession? How did that? Uh, you know, actually, you. things were great because really? we were the escape. One you know, thing you could do. Yeah, yeah it, it actually is. You know, we call it. Um, I mean, it's an escape, but even, you know, now that we throw the recliners in and all that, it's affordable luxury because, you know, you can get out, treat yourself and kind of feel like, you yeah. know, you're getting. Uh, the, the movie's a great cheap date night. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that's the whole thing is just getting out. I think even now the uh, teenagers, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, teens don't do that. And, and you talk to any teenager, they do want to escape their phone. And the idea that you can't control it and you're not going to watch your your phone the whole time is like, you know, it's like a roller coaster ride. You get on and you, you, you know, you don't get off until you're done. So I think it's I think it's it's as relevant as uh, as it ever was. So back in uh, in the late spring, uh, you made some changes to make your operation more safe. Yeah, and maybe you've made some more changes since then. So when you reopen, yeah, people will feel safe. Can you talk a little bit about what you did? Sure. So we, you know, so there's several things. I mean, one, um, you know, we brought in more fresh air on the ventilation systems. We increased that fifty to hundred percent. We upped the filters. Uh, you know, from from. Merv you know, 8 to Merv 11. Yeah, Merv 11, which, you know, is 90-something percent uh, uh, clearing uh, the particles out. And then uh, we also have software that, you know, puts a puts some seats between the groups. At this moment, it's two seats between the recliners and traditional seating. It's three seats be- between the recliner or between the uh, different um, groups. And, uh, you know, all the, all the, uh, standard protocols, uh, you know, we've instituted, whether it's 
the health questions, the temperature checks, the, hey, don't come in if you're sick, um, you know, and we really, it's, it's, you know, we've never had an issue. And actually, there hasn't been a reported case that, uh, that uh, came from a movie theater. But um, so I think, I think we're safe. The, you know, the polling that we've done is people feel safe, but you got to have the movies there to, to get them back. But, but everything that we're doing and, and, and we actually, as a trade group, we hired a epidemiologist and even got Dr. Fauci to get on an email string and endorse our, our protocols, which was kind of cool. He signs his, his emails, by the way, Tony. So, you know, it's just, it's kind of neat. So does Dr. Farchi. Yeah, yeah. Our expert. <laughs> that guy is an expert. He is. Yeah. Are you part of some association, that, like a trade association? Yeah. Or something like that? Yeah. And, so, you know. As and they've a, been helpful? Yeah, yeah. very helpful. Actually, I'm the president of uh, National Association of Theater Owners of Illinois. Hmm. And then I'm actually on the executive board for the national association. Oh, so cool. yeah, the one thing that they do, like I think any business is once they find out that you volunteer, they get you for everything. Cause yeah. <laughs> I'm I, on, I yeah. think I've seen you on the news. Yeah. 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 So they, they, you know what the thing is, is that all the, um, in Chicago, um, you know, most of the stuff is owned by corporate offices. And, you know, if you work locally, the corporate office say you cannot go, you cannot say a word on the news or anything. So I pick up the phone, I'll talk about anything. So that's why, <laughs> unfortunately, you get to see me, uh, you know, on the on the newscast or that. I, I, I don't mind. I think it's better just to to be open and, and, and frank about the discussion. And it turns out, I don't know if you guys know this, but boy, half the uh, uh, the news personalities are from Elmhurst, you know, and, right. you know, and it's funny. Uh, I was I was with uh, John Garcia the other day, and I'm like, oh, you know, Phil Schwartz, you know, and that he's like, oh yeah, Phil taught me, you know, that that yeah, we should be over there. And who's the other guy? I forget. He, anyways, they all well, they both they, lived in Elmhurst at one time. I don't think John does anymore, but no, Phil still does. Phil still does. John doesn't. And then uh, and and anyways, there's quite a few, but but uh, and they love taking pictures of the marquees as well because yeah. there's nothing like a marquee at night, you know, in a snowstorm uh, that. Uh, you know, that does that. But as far as protocols go, look, we have, we have thought of everything and, uh, you know, and even like refills were, you know, given a new container, we're cleaning everything off. We're, we're just, we're basically, you know, we've, we've looked at everything top to bottom and, uh, so you kind of have plans for how this is all going to roll out when the time comes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We, we had a little experience before the shutdown. We had a couple weeks in the middle and 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 i've been on i think uh 75 zoom calls uh, <laughs> discussing all the you know all that we should do so so prior to covid did you even know what a zoom call was you know i i i did and they were novel but i have to say oh my gosh i can't that's one thing i cannot wait to yeah. to end i mean i get the purpose and i and i understand that but oh my you know, yeah, it's yeah. it's like I, I, I the other day I had a meeting and it, and it actually was like a real meeting. I was like, wow, this is kind of fun. Yeah, you right. know, you get to see <laughs> face people. to face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I have a question for Willis. Willis, did you? We mentioned earlier Tom Cruise's tirade on the set. Did you? Are you familiar with that? Did you hear about that? 
Chris, you you heard about it? Absolutely. What yeah. you What you think of that? So, and, is, and do you think there's a lot of that going on in Hollywood? So I'm gonna I'm gonna digress for a half a second. My my general manager at our theater in St. Charles won the grand prize for marketing uh, Valkyrie, which is a movie that Tom Cruise produced. And he won this trip to Hollywood and he got to have lunch with Tom Cruise. And normally that means that they stop in, they say hi and they leave. Well, he got to have lunch and Tom Cruise sat the entire lunch with him and his wife and asked and asked my manager more questions and asked their plans and everything. And he set them up everywhere and he was deeply interested. So he's a, he's a bit eccentric, but the people Tom or your manager, both, (laughs) (laughs) but, but he is, he, he really is genuinely, I mean, he promotes his films and all that. He's genuinely a good guy, but he does have his kooky moments. I, I got at first I was like, Oh my gosh. And then the second part, I was like, you know, I guess I, I get it. Um, you know, not something I would necessarily do. It seemed like it was a little excessive, but at the same time, the rules are that they shut down these productions and we really do need the production. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of, I went into it with a preconceived notion that this is, this is going to be cuckoo. And then I was like, Oh, I guess he's got a point. You know, it's, it's uh, not, not easy to get employees to wear masks and things like that. And that's what happened. He, and, absolutely. and he lost his temper. I, it, I, yeah. So I, I've just about done that a couple of times a week. Today. Yes. Yeah. Today. <laughs> it, yeah. But, but, it, yeah. But so, you're trying to say his point was correct. Maybe he could have handled himself a little better. I, I think so. I mean, I'm not. I, I I am not of that that ilk where you you know just go ballistic and yeah. and that. I I don't. You know, w- Willis, you need to check that out. It yeah. was <laughs> it was a little. Tom went a little crazy on a he couple did. of and and kept going on and on and on and yes. wouldn't All take right. an apology or anything. So here's a question, Willis: Have you ever gone Tom Cruise on Chris? Um, no, I don't think so. You know, he has, he used to, it was funny in the industry. He used to, there used to be these things they call, I got a love letter from Willis, which meant, (laughs) which meant you got a letter that like ripped you a new one and different, and and different vendors. I mean, he used to be, he used to be a tough cookie. And so Chris has a different opinion, Willis. No, 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 no. He, he, he was always good to me. I do, I do remember the one time our big salary negotiation where I wanted to get a, I wanted to go from four to, I, I don't know if it was like 425 or 450 to 550 and, and it was like, yeah, I don't think so. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> it was something crazy. But no, he's he's actually been probably my biggest supporter and and that. But but he definitely he definitely um, could, uh, uh, you know, the story off off Mike was talking about ball, you know, having a light bulb out, and there's a there's a saying. It would Willis? Would this be okay with Willis? And then you just go back and do the job the way you're supposed to do it. Uh, and what would Willis what do? Would Willis yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. W W W D. Exactly. But the love letters, I always get reminders of those here. Oh, I remember getting a love letter from your dad. Oh my god. So you're Willis, d- as a manager, would you choose to reprimand an employee in writing as opposed to in person? No, in person. Oh. 
You save the special ones like your son for writing. <laughs> well, those are those are vent. No, those were vendor, vendors that were you know. That, oh, okay. yeah, those oh, were the, those okay. were vendor letters. You gotcha. Know, that, uh, that that. But no, you know what? And and like I say, the the funny part is when we talk about. Um, you know, generations and that when they were at the Tivoli working on that stuff, I mean, he was in his young forties, you know, and, and I look back on that and I'm just like, wow, time, you know, time has, I'm flown. looking forward to my forties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so, but he's definitely mellowed out big time in his, uh, you know, in his older age. Um, and, uh, and, and from my standpoint has given me every opportunity and leeway you know one of the big big discussions we had a couple years back was the whole recliner thing he just he just did not understand the recliners about taking two-thirds of the seats out and uh you know and and he's pretty pretty small guy and got kind of lost in the recliners kind of like me yeah yeah (laughs) willis are you comfortable in that chair right there like, but yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. yes, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of the same thing. But the but the idea was is he liked the stiff, you know, the the stiff supportive, yeah. yeah, kind of, yeah, utilitarian, and, yeah. But I I don't, you know, I just I just like to sit and watch a movie. But yeah. but the point was yeah. is that he did he did see the results afterwards and you know double yeah. the attendance and everything and he said you know what it's not my cup of tea but I'm starting to. I absolutely see the business model, and and I think he'll even admit that that he doesn't mind him as much Actually, as he did. Actually, that's a great generational example of you know how things are in one generation versus right. another. And he was he bought into letting that happen, if you right. will. Yeah. Right, exactly, and, yeah. and and that was the point. He gave the leeway. Yeah. He didn't necessarily agree with it, but I you know laid it out, and he was he was into it, and. Uh, yeah, it 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 worked out. So I can't thank him enough for all the opportunities and everything. And we've had a good relationship, and you know, and some of it is his his favorite thing that he could ever do is go back in the warehouse and clean things up and try to find a home for every single thing in that warehouse. <laughs> he, he 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 will go back. He'll come out. Do we need this anymore? Oh, let's put it on eBay, you know. And it's like nobody's going to buy that, you know. But there you go; it's going to go on eBay. So, wait, do you guys watch American Pickers? I I have watched that. I don't think I, I, I've seen it a couple times. Willis, you need to so, take a trip out to Iowa and visit those I, folks. And I you've watch, got so many w- things. W- Willis, love. Willis, when you go to Freeport, just keep going. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I, I watch American Pickers a lot, and I imagine you have a lot of old movie stuff that these guys would just come out and take off your hands for a lot of money. Absolutely, so, absolutely. So, Chris, uh, give I still us. Don't, I still don't interrupt. I'm sure, sorry. no, go I for still, it. I still don't understand. Well, I guess I, I I do to some degree. How you get rid of two thirds of your seats and double your business, <laughs> and that's what our our first recliner was North Riverside, and 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 I just shook my head when he said he what he was going to do and what the results were going to be. I mean, he didn't say it from a business standpoint, but that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Great. You know, I mean that that goes against everything that's logical. Yep. But you know, the the real quick on it is, 
It's like when you go into a restaurant and nobody's sitting in the seats and there's only like five people in a hundred seats, it's like, well, am I in the wrong place? When you go into a place and it's sold out or it's packed, you're like, yeah, I'm in the right place. So there is that dynamic that, you well, know. And obviously but, just being comfortable too. Yeah. You know, and that was the other thing. Did you increase the prices? We didn't. And, and I, I, going back to the comfort, you know, people are like, oh, 3D is a gimmick. Uh, recliners are a gimmick. I go, comfort is not a gimmick. No. Air conditioning still holds up today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is interesting, but yeah, now we're, now we're doing all these crazy, you know, the heated recliners, the power headrest recliners, and you know, who knows where that'll go from there, but yeah, it's, it's good. Willis can appreciate this. Cause I know I've talked to you about this before. My hometown had, a historic theater on Western Avenue called the Lyric, the Lyric Theater in Blue Island. Uh, yeah. We yeah, were, we refer to it as Blue, Blue, just yeah. Blue to, to the locals. But as someone who's watched a double feature with no back on the seat of my chair, yes, I appreciate the comfort of the recliner. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Chris, can you characterize a little bit about the promises made by the movie studios early on in the pandemic and? How those panned out as it relates to saving movies for the theaters? Yeah. So at first, you know, everybody, um, well, I will say this, it was, you know, it was refreshing at first because I got some calls from some studios and they were just thanking me because I had paid all my film bills. And I'm like, well, I didn't know there was any option, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but they were just very thankful. But yeah, at first they kept talking about, you know, hey, we're going to, you know, we're just delaying this. We're going to, you know, bring this movie back. And, you know, they were all, they were all very um, reassuring. But, you know, as time goes by and candidly, the, the ownership of the studios, the decisions were being made. Like for instance, Warner brothers is owned by AT&T. So the, the, I would have conversations with the president of distribution at the studio, but it turns out that, you know, somebody at AT&T is making this decision. Hey, we like HBO max. And so we're going to do this way or same thing over at universal Comcast owns universal. And, you know, so they're going to take that and, and, and just like Disney and you get into this situation where, you know, the content owners are not even really owned at that sort of studio level. It's way beyond that. And so over time, you know, it's a little bit like punching a guy when, you know, he's down, but it is coming back. And there certainly are the studios that have taken that approach that 100 percent this is going to be re released theatrical and you know, and it's gonna it's gonna do well, but yeah, I, you know, on, uh, sometimes you get mad and upset that you know people change their mind, but at the same time, it's this has been impossible to predict how yeah. things play out, and so I understand that. And uh, while sometimes you don't like the answer, it's you know, kind of like kind of like everybody's scrambling. Absolutely, I mean, it's you know, it is. I never knew. As, you know, Joe Citizen, I'd be watching, you know, the health reports or even know about, you know, vaccines and the different types and all this other stuff. And I'm like, this is I got to get out of this. I, you know, as 
uh, on my card, it says CEO and CPE, which which is chief popcorn eater. I got to get back to being the chief popcorn eater. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to know about epidemiology or anything else. Yeah. You know, I just want to do the, the simple things in life. So, well, yeah. Well, let's get back to Elmhurst. Let's, uh, you know, you, we appreciate all you guys have done as far as br- making York Theater the cornerstone or or the epicenter of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also from Downers Grove, Willis, uh, originally. So, um but it seems like you've kind of adopted Elmhurst a little bit. Is there a soft spot in your heart for Elmhurst? Absolutely. And and how did that come about? Was it when you met Elm, Elmhurst? Is uh, from a a business environment standpoint, and I'm talking more to some degree more about government, the government side of it. Um, it's it, Elmhurst is. And I'm not blowing smoke. Elmhurst is just a, is just a great place to do business, hmm. um, and Downers is not. Well, well, so, interesting. We 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 have been treated uh, with open arms in Elmhurst, and it's how can we get this done? And that's that's the exciting part. And candidly, that's why, out of all the communities we operate in, our by far our biggest investment is in Elmhurst. And both of us have almost moved there a couple of times, and and uh, I don't know for whatever reason we didn't make it, but it is our adopted home, and we we definitely feel the love, and and that's why we keep you know reinvesting in the town. It's just so nice that um, you know you talk to people. I mean, even even on some of the stuff we're doing now, we were looking at a space and we're like, hey, could we do a rooftop bar over here and. Yeah, you could, you know, you'd have to do this and that. And it's like, it's not like how many ways can we tell you no? It's like, hey, let's figure out a way. Yes. And I think, I think it really blends kind of the old feel with, with new things. I mean, even, even a novel thing like a parking garage, nobody wants to put in parking garages, but candidly they're, they're needed. And, uh, and so making that investment in that infrastructure and, and, you know, it's just, it's just a nice place. It's- and obviously Elmhurst certainly appreciates the Johnson family. Willis was inducted into the Elmhurst Civic Hall of Fame. Uh, you and Shirley were named the outstanding volunteers uh, with a service award from the Elmhurst Heritage Foundation. We appreciate you as much as you appreciate us. So, uh, so as it relates to the history of movie theaters in your particular group of movie theaters do you have any pipe organs still two and t- tell us about where they are and we and have, how often they're used what you know pre-pandemic obviously right we have one in downers grove which is is quote not not our organ it, it belongs to the cato, cato the Sh- chicago area theater organ Enthusiasts. Enthusiasts. Thank you. <laughs> really? and, and then we have, and then we have the one in New York. The one at the Tivoli, pre-pandemic, is played every Friday and Saturday night. Um, the York, uh, not, not anywhere near as often, um, and that has to do with the the Tivoli being having one film. And so you, it's very easy to schedule. You know, the, the, 
the organ is played from 6.30 to 7 o'clock, and the movie starts at 7. At the, at the York, auditorium number five is where the organ is, and you just, depending on how the, the scheduling goes, you can't always, you can't play it when you want to necessarily want to do that. But, but the one in, in, the, uh, in the York we own, that came out of the uh, Rialto Theater in Champaign, Illinois. Oh wow! Well, Nineteen twenty-five Barton, and it did spend a it did spend a couple of years at the Tivoli. Yes, it did. Yeah. And so our guest uh, our guest interviewer Hollywood earlier asked a little bit about concerts that happened at the Tivoli. Yes. What are some of the other special events you've had? And I know at least one you had David Faraday and his gang in there once uh, when one of the tournaments was at Medina. So can you give us? A list of maybe a few special events you've had either at the Tivoli or other theaters. Well, we we had a relationship um, with uh, Anderson Books out of uh, Naperville, um, where they would uh, they would have a book signing at the Tivoli when they knew they were going to have a a, a large audience. Um, we had. Uh, what Mary Poppins? Uh, well, not, not Mary, Mary Poppins. Poppins. We had Julie Andrews. <laughs> Julie Andrews three times. Same thing uh, in my book. Yeah, yeah. And we had Dick Van Dyke. How as do you well. solve a problem like Maria? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I think one of the uh, one of, one of the most amazing ones was the um, who is the gentleman that um, uh, uh, Richard Dreyfus. So Richard Dreyfus. We had it was it was called an evening jawing. They're gonna need a bigger boat. That's right, and it was this was a couple of years back when it did get. I think it was like negative. It was like frozen, and all the airlines were frozen, and nobody could fly, and we're like worried because this guy rented out the theater, and these tickets were insane, and so there was like fifty thousand dollars in tickets sold for this one event, and sure enough, it's in the week that's the coldest week ever. Anyway, so he flies into St. Louis and and I think it was St. Louis or even further and takes a limo, a $2,000 limo from however far away. It was it was it was it was further than St. Louis. It was like eight hours. And he gets up here and he's, you know, he's got a little bit of a reputation and he just couldn't have been more excited and lovely and and engaging and just enjoyed his journey through, you know, the Midwest and, and, and actually made the show. And, you know, there was, uh, the, the crowd was a little bit older and came out in this frigid cold night. So that was kind of cool, but all sorts of other people and, and authors and, and musicians and Sonny and Cher were one of the first sort of celebrity, um, performers at the Tivoli back way back when really uh that uh, was before us yeah that was before us and um but uh yeah there's just you know people just have a a soft spot uh i think one of the interesting things on julie andrews was she had a real case of stage fright and so her first time back to the tivoli we really made her feel at home and she just loved it so much and that's why she came back a couple times um, so, um, so that was real neat, but, uh, probably our most outrageous was Gene Simmons from kiss. He was, if you want to, uh, 
from a kind of chauvinist guy. If you were female, he was telling you, you know, hey, sweetie, get out of here, you know, do this, do that. It was, he definitely rubbed quite a few people the wrong way. <laughs> and uh, so he's, he's memorable, memorable in that, in that regard. But, uh, but yeah, a lot of real cool. I was, uh, I was, uh, big head tied the monsters. Oh, they were fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, they were fantastic. And, uh, Really, really a great show. Yeah. That's funny. And 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 actually, in that same vein, there's another group, Freddie Jones Band, which is another one uh, that uh, that that was really good. But uh, yeah, the, so so future concerts, I can call you and you can get me tickets. So I have to try and yeah, get them. Out yeah, it, it is kind of funny. <laughs> I say, you know, just tell them you know me. We'll charge you double. You <laughs> <laughs> can charge me double. Just give me good seats. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just kidding. It is funny though because you know people always laugh, and what I do is. When the you know I get an allotment of tickets, it's not that many. But I on opening day, I will buy tickets because I have so many people that call me. Hey, can you get me tickets? Hey, can you get me tickets? And so I'm like, you know, I I end up buying all these tickets just so that I can take care of people. Um, yeah. So I know you you uh, bring special movies in around the holidays in particular, yep. and I have a funny story. <clears throat> Hollywood here, PK and I were with our wives and a couple other couples. And what's the Irish pub in um, in Downers? Oh, Bally Doyle. Bally Doyle. We're over yeah. at Bally Doyle. We're having lunch, and we uh, we had planned to go see It's a Wonderful Life. Yep. We um we kid that I'm Mr. Potter, and we talk about that movie a lot. So we're all going to take our wives to see It's a Wonderful Life at the Tivoli. We're going to go have lunch at Bally Doyle and. It's about an hour before showtime, and I I said to these guys like I think we got to go over and you know get some tickets. So, ah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So finally, my wife and I walk, and they're like, Ah, Mister Paranoid, we go over there to get tickets, and of course, it's, you're all sold out. So yeah. good for you. You you all really do a good job of selling tickets for a lot of those holiday movies, don't you? Yeah, and actually, a wonderful life is uh, we do that for charity every year, and we just added shows, and every show we added was for charity, and so. Um, actually raised a lot of good money on that one. Uh, but yeah, those holiday shows, I mean, White Christmas, and and then we added Christmas Vacation. And that, that's awesome, though. Yeah. Well, let's back up a minute. So yeah. every Christmas you have these shows, yeah. and all those funds go to different charities of, of your choosing. Yeah, yeah. I mean... And for, thank you for that. It's awesome. Yeah. We try to, try to do, uh, you know, we certainly, you know, we, we're, we're a community local location, and we want to support people and you know for whatever it may be the other you know it's also funny kind of some of the other little things we do you know going back to elmhurst this is one bad thing about recliners though we used to do all the halloween shows waking up the drunks yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) no but on the halloween show i mean we still do halloween shows when you know we can but um you know, you'd have so many seats in there and they would just have an endless, you know, parade of Halloween, Halloween costumes. And I, I do remember With Bob, the magician in there. Yeah, too. exactly. I remember my son was dressed up as Thomas, the tank engine or whatever. And I forgot his hat. And so my wife's like, you got to go home and get his hat. And so I flew from Elmhurst, you know, to Downers and back and just in time. So he could make his little, is this your son that's down in Champaign? Yeah, now? exactly. Yeah. I hope he listens to yeah. this. And what's yeah. his name? Yeah, Kyle. Yeah. Kyle, uh, <laughs> that 
Thomas the Tank Engine yeah. costume. I'm sure you rocked it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit. He's about my size now. But uh, did, you, uh, did you ever entertain the uh, idea of the Rocky Horror Picture Show crowd? So we did a long time back, and 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 keeping it on the on the you know closer to PG than uh, than not. People they started bringing things that just weren't like appropriate and seemed like they were a lawsuit waiting to happen. And I just kind of shut that down. Some of those things are now legal in Illinois. <laughs> well, they're, they're, you know, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just, you might. Shirley does a, did, did a lot of the special shows and she just had a big problem with it. And, you know, she said, they're 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 gonna they're they're bringing squirt guns and they're bringing <laughs> newspapers into the into our theater and I just can't do that. Well, that was the no, that was the that those were all fine. That was all they were very respectful. They, of they that. brought toast too. Yeah, <laughs> they brought toast. They brought cards, and it was all fine. But then they started bringing, um, uh, you Art- know, artificial body parts. Yes, 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 yes. Uh-huh. yes. That, that's where Shirley drew the line, right? Yes. Oh, I don't even think she knew. I think that's that so was, much family friend- friendly. Yeah, it wasn't. And it was just. It, it, it seemed like it could be. It could go the other way, and yeah. and we're just like, you know what? I think we're going to move past that and uh, avoid that. Yeah. We're we're pretty Good keeping choice. it family friendly. Good yeah. choice. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah. So, Willis, let's, uh, in closing, let, I want to ask you a few questions. Oh. Uh, the first of which is, do you have any pet charities or projects that you've worked on the last few years? Um, I Anything think that's the, near and dear to your heart? The, the main one, and it was not me, again, it was Shirley, was, is Sharing Connection, uh, which is a, in Downers Grove, it's a, an organization that collects used primarily used furniture and then when when a family is challenged uh they provide help for that and i think over the what over the years uh, probably she's probably raised hundred thousand dollars wow but but he also he, he forgets this but he you you sponsored in the six figures, the Boy Scouts as well. Yes, I did. Ah. Yeah. yeah. So, were, you, were you a were scout you, yourself? Yeah. I'm sorry. Were you a Boy Scout yourself? No. Oh wow. Well, I was. I was. I guess very early on, I got to be what a first class scout or something of that nature. I never got really that. Involved Frankie at Avalon all. singing Boy Scout dropout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was more because of a relationship uh, with a gentleman that uh, developed with the Theater Historical Society. And uh, Chris, were you a scout? I, you know, I wasn't. We were Indian guides, oh, yeah. uh, which I think is now you can't do that. But uh, no, we still have it. Oh yeah, yeah. I just figured. That. Yeah, it's Indian princesses <laughs> and Indian guy. Or- but we did that. We did the campouts. But another organization that we really support is Variety Club, which gives mobility. Uh, you know, bikes and 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 equipment to uh, mostly to kids that uh, um, you know that physically physically challenged and and that there's nothing more exciting than see a kid light up when they get a bike an adaptive bike, you know. And, and I, I'm a huge bike you know fan and and so to see that happen, we we've given 
just a ton of money over it. I, I don't know. I should that that sounds terrible. We've raised a lot of money. Thankfully, our guests and everything have helped out, and and uh, so that's another charity. But the other stuff we like to help out with is like the, you know, having the, uh, you know, schools have their talent shows and and whatever fundraising they have or you know basically the we actually have a full a person who handles all the donations and everything because everybody you know when you go to a charity raffle and there's passes talent show is kind of a sore subject for me my music teacher told me to yeah model the words to one tin soldier in 1974 or wow. whatever you're yeah. Scarred for life. Well, hey, so, I've, oh. I was going to say, if you want to come back up on stage, we'll put an open mic, and you can you will. And let, I can we'll, mouth we'll, just we'll, as well. No, as I no, could no, no. Then. You can you can let it go. But he's going to do that while the pandemic's going on, so no one will be there. Oh come on, we'll all there be actually we'll support him. Do you ever do an open mic comedy night? You know, so that is one that I forgot to mention. We do actually. We've had a lot of. Uh, shows not open mic but we've had a lot of like really high-end comedians comedians like pat mcgann and some other guys and and on you know that is uh you forget i mean normally a comedy club is is pretty intimate and when you have you know 600 people at a comedy show i mean it's pretty maybe you can land dan lamort your cousin molort he is not my cousin, but he shares my surname, and uh, oh, okay. he's, he's quite an interesting uh, comedian. But Dan but, but, but that is a good that is a good angle. Yeah, I have a great uh, simple question for both of you, gentlemen. Yeah, what's your favorite movie, Willis? Oh, uh, I you know it's very difficult. Um, I love that Willis is I, acting I, like yeah. no one's ever asked him this right. before. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I like I like Charles Bronson. And uh, uh, Chato's Land uh, was a great movie. Uh, yeah, and uh, Hard Times. Uh, that goes back to Jill Ireland. If I were to go back and, to the Modown and ask you a question that somebody else should have asked you, Chato or Charo? Oh. You remember who Charo was? Just say Gucci, Chato. Gucci, 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 Gucci. Say Chato. <laughs> say Chato. Chato. Was, Chato. That, that was, uh, was it Kugats? Xavier Cruz, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Chris, how about yours? Yeah, yeah. Chris, yeah. favorite movie? Yeah, so I'll answer it this way: couple, uh, a couple. Yeah, so Cinema Paradiso is this Italian film that's uh, about this kid who grows up in a movie theater, and it's really gut wrenching and it's cool and it's 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 an awesome film. He's not half Italian like our food critic Sal, yeah. is he? Yeah, yeah. Wait, what's it called? Uh, yeah. Cinema Paradise. I've heard of it, but yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, it's it's excellent. It's excellent film. You know, I will tell you it's it's very interesting because I don't think it'll ruin the movie for you if you haven't seen it. There is a there is a a, a, a small segment where uh, and 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 it's this young man, a young kid, working with the projectionist in the projection booth, and the story is told from his angle. And and at a point, you know, in the old days, the the light source in a projector was a carbon arc, so the, you know you're just like an arc welder. You've got positive and negative carbon, and you and it. You get a light and a reflector. It goes, and and one of the things that used to happen occasionally was if the projector stopped for any reason, while 
in the middle of the movie, it would melt the film. Right. And, and I knew, I had been told that in Cinema Paradiso, there was a scene where the, the, that happened. And, and my immediate reaction was to jump up out of my seat and go to the booth and find out what went on. <laughs> and it was just a scene in the movie, but yeah. I still remember that. And wow. being even knowing ahead of time. So so panel, Rick, you, you asked them what their favorite movie is. How about this? What has been this panel's favorite experience at York Theater in Elmhurst? I have a, a favorite memory and uh, I can tell you that and I and I've told Willis this several times and he probably doesn't remember, but when I was a kid growing up in Elmhurst, the older I got, the less cool it was to go to York Theater. You needed to go to Yorktown. You in your circle go, yeah. of friends. You, no, yeah. you, in a lot of circle of friends yeah. back in the day before the Johnsons owned the theater. Okay. Correct. You'd, go to, uh, you'd go to Yorktown. You'd go to Oak Brook. And I raised my kids here in Elmhurst, the same place I was raised. They wanted to go to York Theater. York Theater was a whole different experience. Uh. But I do have one memory, and uh, I was watching Rocky, 1976, I believe it was. It came out, give or take a year. And uh, I had some friends that lived down the street, and their father was actually the general manager of what ended up becoming Howard Pontiac, and I don't remember what it was at the time, Pontiac dealer on Grand Avenue. But he was a GM, and his kids were with us, and... And uh, we were waiting and waiting and waiting for the show to start. <laughs> and this guy had, he was from Alabama and this little kid, and he got up and he yelled, start the show. And I swear a half second later, the show started. <laughs> and that's my favorite memory from when I was a kid at York Theater and the, the single screen, uh, big theater with the organ and, and everything. How about how about yours, Hollywood? You, you asked me. Well, I, I think I should go last. PK? Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I actually, a lot of fond memories of taking my kids there Four four kids we raised in, in the area here. Um, but, uh, I guess the one that stuck out the most was actually my first kind of special date with my first childhood sweetheart going to a movie at the York theater. And I'm pretty sure I was in eighth grade. Wow. Yeah. Well, okay. I guess, wait, I guess wait, that's wait. me, huh? That's, well, first of all, he didn't finish the story. Sure. The rest of it, that wasn't that good. Well, it's my fond memory. I mean, I don't want to yeah, okay. give you the intimate detail. <laughs> Apparently, he doesn't kiss and tell. Yeah, eighth grade, it couldn't have been Okay, my yeah. okay, lord. <laughs> well, as a transplant to the western suburbs, I can say I've seen films at several of your locations. All right. And I remember some of the movies that I saw at some of the theaters. So I can remember seeing the remake of The Addams Family oh, yeah. at the York. I saw Forrest Gump in Elk Grove. Oh, my god! I saw Borat at the Lake. Oh, my gosh. And I saw one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Let me see. No fault Stewardesses. of the theater operator. It had Keanu Reeves in it, and I believe it was called A Walk in the Clouds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was. Terrible film. Yeah. I you like that you, movie. You and two other people went inside. One of them was my wife. The other yeah. one was my girlfriend. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Hey, wow. Okay, Hollywood. Put that turn. out on air. Yeah, you might want to cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so mine would be, so, you know, I, I told you I've been, I, I've lived in Downers for the last 13 years, but I've been to Tivlia. 
been to the bowling alley or everything else. But my, my favorite memory was coming back to Elmhurst with my kids when they were in their teens. Now they're in their 20s and 30s. And we took my mother to the theater there. And we walked in. At, apparently, I learned tonight it's Theater 5 that has the organ in it. Right? Okay, yeah. And we walked in. We sat down. We all got situated. And that organ was playing. And there's this beautiful, beautiful older woman that was up there just throwing her heart at this organ. Yes. And my kids looked at me and said, Dad, this is the coolest thing, place I've ever seen. You've taken us to all the big theaters in Yorktown and Oakland, but this is just this awesome. And we sat down and we had the greatest experience. And my mother was there and my kids were there and I was there. And we had these three generations of this organ player. And that woman just, I mean, I like literally teared up listening to her play and looking at her face and the beauty of her, her elder face and who she was. And it just warmed my heart past anything I've seen in a long time. So that's why it is a good job. Well done, Willis, yeah. uh, Willis and Craig. So Chris. one, one uh, Craig, whatever his name is. <laughs> hey, you know, what? scrambling hey, really quick. By the way, we were at we were at in Elmer. We'll cut that out. We were KP. Now, I'm sorry. We were in Elk Grove, and the mayor's name is is Craig, Craig Johnson. Johnson. Oh yeah. And they introduced him as Chris Johnson. Oh. <laughs> so it, was, it wasn't. It was. One last question for each of you, and we'll yeah. start with Willis. And it's a little bit of a tough question. So imagine that you're you're in the middle of a battle. You're in a bunker. And you're 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 really in tough times. You're under fire. Who do you want in that bunker with you? The good Lord. That's the first time that we've gotten that answer. That's a great answer. <laughs> Chris? You can't say the good Lord because it's been taken. He's already busy with your so dad. So regardless of your answer, it won't be as good as Willis's, but what's your answer? Yeah, so uh, I, I'm going to say a person that, uh, that, actually, uh, that actually works for us. His name is Ed Dobbs. And I only say that because he... He he gets us out of any situation and fixes anything and takes care of it. He's MacGyver. He he is MacGyver and then some. And uh, I certainly you know, yeah. I that that's that's who I'll say. That's who I'll say. Ed Dobbs, uh, you must be quite the guy. You're you're not he, the good lord, but you're still a pretty good guy. He is. I always tell him. I said, if you ever decide to leave. Give me a month's notice so I can leave ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> Willis Johnson, Chris Johnson, thank you so much for being our guests. We uh, owe a debt of gratitude to you here in Elmhurst for all that you've done for our town. We really appreciate you taking the time. We've taken way more time than we asked you for tonight. So thank you for being so gracious. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks, thank guys. you. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, Brought cheers. back a lot of memories. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> thank you. I learned a lot of memories. <laughs> <laughs> Adios, gentlemen. The E-Town Lowdown brought to you by the wonderful folks at the Elmhurst Armpit Orchestra featuring the biggest bass drum in the world at nine feet in diameter. Yes, you heard that right. Nine feet in diameter.